You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Onyx Hunt. Bringing you the best GPS mapping software directly to your smartphone or desktop, Onyx offers you the ability to see property boundaries, mark waypoints, track your location, and so much more. Visit onyxmaps.com or you can download it directly from your app store today. Save 20% off of your purchase by using the code NATION20 at checkout. That's capital N NATION followed by the number 20. Welcome to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Parker McDonald. This is episode number 66. Today on the show, we have Jacob Emery from Hunt Grounds TV, and we're going to talk about his season, some of the bucks he was able to kill this season. The overall theme of this podcast, though, really revolves around the endless opportunities that are really at our fingertips for anybody to go out and be successful on public land. I hope you guys enjoy this show. This is the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right, all right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Happy Valentine's Day. If you're listening to this today, when it comes out, happy Valentine's Day. Hopefully you guys are not listening to this podcast, but instead you are taking your significant other out for a date. Um, man, this is uh, this is a good time as any. We don't have any seasons going on right now. We've got some squirrel season, but I think all deer seasons are closed. Ours closed on Monday, and uh, I didn't get to go out Monday. I went on Saturday and shot a fox. I didn't see any deer, but I did see that fox. Heard a bunch of coyotes. Um, so our season is officially over. Um, some of you guys are probably going to be either headed to or uh, headed home from the National Wild Turkey Federation uh, convention. So, um, man, I really wanted to try to figure out a way to get there. But honestly, who does something like that on Valentine's Day weekend? Like, I'm sitting over here just trying to make up some brownie points from from this past deer season. You guys are putting this turkey show like right on valentine's day weekend and it just did not work out for my schedule um but uh i hope i hope you guys are enjoying your time there if you got lucky enough to go um but again happy valentine's day hope you guys have a good valentine's day and uh you take your girlfriend wife uh whatever side chick what i mean i don't know what you got it, it doesn't matter to me um but I hope you take them out for a date. Y'all have a good time. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot for you today. Today we're talking with Jacob Emery of the Hunting Grounds. 
and uh, you may have heard them on uh, or seen them on YouTube. Um, some other podcasts I know have had had a couple of those guys on, um, but Jacob is kind of a, uh, a a mixture of you know the kind of stuff that we normally talk about, which is running gun, public land, mobile hunting, and uh, but he also does a lot of private land hunting, and we talk a little bit about that in this show. But uh, but the 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 conversation really revolves around kind of his season and jumping around from state to state and really being successful. It seemed like just about anywhere that he went this year and last year. And um, we specifically talk uh, in detail about several hunts that he had here in the South in Tennessee um, last year on public land and uh, and this year on public land as well during the early season velvet hunt. And, uh, and he really kind of breaks down how those hunts went and uh, he, he actually ended up tagging out this year on Tennessee public land, which is a, a pretty cool thing. And and not only did he just tag out, he tagged out on some solid deer. So I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this. I just kind of asked him to break down some of the things that he did on each one of these hunts. And they all really um, are something different. You know, I know for me, a lot of the time, my tactics really stay the same um, from hunt to hunt. And uh, he, he really had several different tactics that that kind of uh that worked for him in in this episode that we talk about so i think you guys are going to enjoy that um as always guys please please uh follow southern ground hunting on instagram and on facebook and uh perhaps more than anything on youtube and that's going to be at the sportsman's nation youtube channel um we really are working hard to make sure that those are uh are are valuable content um, areas so that you can go and, um, you know, watch one of our videos and maybe learn something. And, uh, I know there's been a couple other creators putting some stuff on the channel as well lately. And I have not been, I've been slacking. I've got a little bit of footage that I need to put together, but, uh, you'll be able to see all that stuff at the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. So hopefully, um, you guys will go and do that if you're not already, um, and again, on Instagram, that's all lowercase, all one word, Southern Ground Hunting. And on Facebook, it's Southern Ground Hunting as well. Go check those out. We got turkey season coming up really soon. And uh, I have been seeing some birds um, on the side of the road in a, in a cornfield for the past like four days. Every day I've, I've driven by it, I've seen turkeys. And yesterday when I went by, they were actually strutting in the field, which fired me up. So I'm getting fired up i know you guys are getting fired up um but we are going to be moving into turkey season and turkey podcast very very soon so if that's something that you enjoy make sure that you listen in the coming weeks because we are going to have some good guests on that as well so without further ado here is mr jacob emery all right, I am super excited about this episode because we have got Mr. Jacob Emery on the line. Jacob, what's going on, buddy? Oh, not a not a whole lot. So here, checking out Onyx, trying to get myself in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what are you getting in the mood? Is that kind of how you just get in the mood, just to get motivated to do anything, or is that uh, are you are you looking forward to turkey season, or what's going on? Yeah. Uh, Mainly, mainly turkey season, but uh, kind of, kind of 
started thinking about this new idea I really want to try if I can ever get a weekend off from work uh, that has to do with a couple of the layers and features on here that, um, I don't know, would kind of paint a picture for you and um, come next season maybe. Um, I'll, I'll explain that later. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Well, I'm I'm uh, taking a little break. I've, I, I looked up on Onyx today because I saw a pile of turkeys in a field, a private field, and I've seen them the last four days. So I finally looked up on, on Onyx. I haven't been on Onyx since uh, crap, man. I hadn't been on it since Saturday, which was the last my last day in a tree. And uh, I wanted to see these property owners. I wanted to see their names <laughs> so I could ask them for permission to turkey hunt their property. So um, thank you. I'm I'm, uh, I'm getting fired up about it too, man. I I just uh, been kind of taking trying to take a little bit of a break um, and give some time back to my family and to my real job. Um, this week since it's not deer season and I can kind of focus on those things for a little bit until March, uh, what is it, March 21st when turkey season starts. It's going to be balls to the wall again, and uh, <laughs> I'm getting ready for it, man. So, so Jacob, um, you just recently moved to a new state. Um, is this going to be your first time hunting turkeys in, in a new state like that? Uh, no. Um the plan is because I'm actually originally from Kentucky. Uh, when I met Maddie, my girlfriend, um, almost a year ago today, actually, um, we kind of hit it off, and I had my own house over in Kentucky, and uh, the the lease was um, getting ready to be up, and we could kind of tell we were going to hit it off, so moved over here to Indiana. But the plan is to uh, jump back over to Kentucky uh, rather soon because we just recently found out that we are expecting and we are going to need a four bedroom house. So. Oh snap. <laughs> now is this an announcement or is, have you already announced this? Uh, we, we haven't really announced it, but, um, we're not too worried about the word spreading too much. If, at least anybody that's listening. To this, <laughs> what are you, know? you trying to say? I'm <laughs> not really too worried mom... about a whole lot of people listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> as long as her mom doesn't listen to this podcast, we're okay. Okay. Good deal. Well, man, that's awesome, dude. Congratulations. That's awesome, man. Man, Thank you. that's uh, that's that's cool, man. So, um, you planned it right, I guess. You got a birthday right as soon as deer season's over and before turkey season start. Oh no, not a birthday. That's just a conception date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, let's see. I've I swore on this. Anybody out there listening, hear me out. You need to start at November or whenever your rut starts and count nine months backwards <laughs> and yeah. do not do anything. Nothing. Don't touch. Don't, look at them. Like, don't even nothing. kiss. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. If you've got to break up with them for a couple months, do what you got to do. But uh, her, no, I'm just teasing. Her uh, her due date is September third, and uh, oh, you're good. I'm pretty sure it's really close to opening weekend of uh, Kentucky bow opener. But we'll make it work. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You you'll be you'll be just fine, man. I've hunted that I've hunted that Kentucky opener two years in a row now, and um, I mean, it's fun, you, you know, velvet bucks are cool and stuff, but y'all's rut really is, from what I understand, I've never hunted Kentucky rut, but from what I understand, it's, that's the time when you want to be in the tree. So, um, that's cool, I, man. I wasn't aware we had a rut. What's that? <laughs> I said I wasn't aware we had a rut. Oh, okay. <laughs> man, I, I've, I've felt like that some years, but, uh. Man, I'm I'm really excited to talk to you about deer hunting. I know we started off talking about turkey hunting. We're going to get into that a little bit during this episode. 
Um, but man, I really, I really want to talk to you about whitetails because I feel like you have um, really the last the last couple years since I guess really I became your friend on Facebook. I started following you on uh, the hunting grounds, which we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Um, but you've really had a good couple of seasons, dude. So before we get into all that, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself so the listener can know who is Jacob Emery? Yeah. Well, I'm a nobody, um, just about like most everybody else on social media. Uh, nothing fancy about me. I'm 28, grew up in Kentucky, been uh, chasing both deer and turkey and anything that crawls or flies since around 10 years old. Um, it wasn't until about five years ago I started, like, getting real antsy and wanting to, like, travel to hunt uh, some out-of-state, you know, places for different species or whatever. And uh, it seems like that's when I started getting pretty serious into it. Um, but I'm just a fun-going guy. I like to joke, cut up. I'm not too serious. Um, I think it takes a lot of fun out of hunting when you've got to be so serious about this crap. If, if it's more like a job, then it's not fun to me anymore, so. But I just like to get out and enjoy what time I can in the woods and um, capitalize on almost any opportunity that comes by, you know. Sure, yeah, I understand that completely. So, so like I said, I started following you when I saw you, um, I, I believe it was a Kentucky trip uh, on the hunting grounds last year, so the 2018 season. Um, how did you get involved with that group? Uh, let's see. I've been with uh, Steve and the guys over at the hunting grounds since I want to say it was 2014. Um, he kind of just come across me. Um, I think I was starting to just get interested in filming my hunts and kind of reached out and we, we made some things work and um, you can definitely go back on some of my first footage and hunts and uh, go and watch some of the ones from the last couple of years. And there is a big time improvement in everything. So, but they're a great group of guys. I, I love being a part of the family and, uh, it was just funny. I remember like joining and thinking like, man, I don't see this really going anywhere because at the time I think we had like, we had like 15,000 likes on Facebook. We didn't even have an Instagram. And now we're, I, I think the last time I looked, we're pushing 160,000 on you know, Facebook, our Instagram's growing, and, you know, YouTube is doing pretty good. Um, but, of course, as you know, the algorithms on everything changes, and anytime you mention something that has to do with hunting, man, they just they put a damper on the views. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, you guys, y'all do an incredible job with that. Uh, man, I, I know, so the, the, the hunt that I actually got to, uh, that I was kind of introduced to you and, and kind of your style was a Kentucky hunt uh, where you, you were on public land last year and you ended up killing that buck and packing him out. Is that kind of your style? It, it kind of seemed like, you know, I had watched a few of the Hunting Ground episodes, um, and I believe I ran across it because there was a, uh, there's a, a guy from Georgia that's on there, and I was just looking at southern stuff and um, happened to run across that, subscribed to the channel, saw your hunt from 2018, and uh, or it may have been it may have been early early 2019 I can't remember but um, I remember thinking man this guy really seems to be a little bit different from the rest of the group because it really seems like you try to key in on that mobile um, running gun style of hunting. Yeah, um, well I think the hunt you either saw one or two hunts and both of them were in Tennessee. I killed a really nice deer 
on lay between the lakes last year, and the coyotes got to him when that's I right. let him lay overnight. So that um, was on the Tennessee side. That, right. That was very – yeah, it was not far from the Kentucky side because okay. I hate driving further than I got to. But um, the the buck I packed out this year was with uh, Jacob Myers. I think y'all are actually pretty good buddies over at yeah, the Southern Outdoorsman. That was a that was another Tennessee early season velvet hunt. Yeah. Okay. So the one, I, yeah, the one I'm talking about is the the Tennessee. I think I knew it was on LBL, so I was kind of say, thinking it was in Kentucky where you shot it. So you actually shot that one on the Tennessee side of LBL, and um, yes. I tell you what, I remember about that hunt is that you you ran across somebody's trail camera and <laughs> posed with your deer <laughs> packed out. Is that that's the same hunt, isn't it? That's the same hunt. That's crazy, dude. So, is that kind of your is that kind of your your style? Are you more of a public land running gun type guy? I'm I'm kind of a good mix, man. Because um, it, it's real hard. I'm sure you know. You go out of state. You may, may not have no buddies or whatever. So it's almost always public for me out of state. <clears throat> I do have a hundred acres and a few small parcels that I can hunt around my house or my grandparents' place that I've grown up um, in Kentucky. I've got 100 acres that I manage there that plant food plots, run cameras all year long, um, and like I said, a few other kind of small tracks that um, I might throw a camera on and catch a good one coming through and try to capitalize on it. Yeah, well, it seems like you do capitalize on it, and that's why I really wanted to get you on the show because it seems like, you know, every time I look at Facebook, especially this season – it was like, oh, Jacob shot another buck. Um, and so I, I kind of want to just break down a few of your hunts from this year and kind of kind of get the the get a good grip on on how you did it. And I guess we'll start with that one from from uh, the Tennessee public land in 2018. Um, tell us a little bit about that hunt and some of your strategies going into it. I got you. Well, to start off, every single year, um, I like to buy my all-game uh, annual license in Tennessee because if you buy the 10 or 7-day, whatever it is, it's only like $100 cheaper. So I make sure every year that I'm making a tri- couple trips down there to turkey hunt and deer hunt. And uh, I think it was November 10th, I had killed my target buck in Kentucky on my property I was telling you about. And uh, the following weekend, I had uh, didn't have my kiddo, didn't have to work. And so I started just kind of glancing at the map of LBL and I had um, killed a couple deer down there in the past, but I hadn't killed them on the Tennessee side. Um, so I just kind of found a place about an hour and 45 minutes from my house. And it wasn't very far below the state line. Just got to kind of looking around on Onyx uh, the week prior to going down there and um, just found this really neat kind of spot where there was some timber cuts and, um, just this awesome little pinch point that connected both of those uh, timber cuts together. Uh, and the cool thing about it is, is down there, it's not, I don't guess it's cool, but you can see so far through those woods, which to a gun hunter or whatever, you know, somebody, um, I guess, I don't really know how to explain it. it. just, it looks like deer heaven, you know, it's like, Oh man, look at all these white oaks. You can, you can see forever. I can shoot, you know, 200 yards through here. I instantly key on, on the key in on those thicker areas um, that most people probably want to avoid that are pretty hard to, uh, to access and get in quietly. Yeah. But 
I was going to kind of use this uh, old logging road to get get back in there where I was. And dude, it, it, honest to God, a little bit of it was planning, kind of checking out the topo, turning on some layers, and um, the other uh, half of it was just kind of like once I got in there, was checking out the like uh, what do they call it, MRI, the most recent information. Uh, yeah. Started finding started finding some really really good sign, and, and what had actually happened was. Um, as far as mobile hunting, I had my big old 20 pound summit climber on my back, <laughs> my insights back with my bow, my camera arm, all that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I'm packing in about 45 pounds and, uh, come across a really, really good fresh rub. And I just kind of started following his rub line until I come across that guy's camera. Well, I'd already walked in front of it, you know, when I first seen it. So I thought, okay, I'm at the only place that you could possibly access this is if somebody wanted to walk like a five mile round trip. So I thought, well, he's not here. I got looking around and I seen an old deer stand, probably 25, 30 years old thing was falling apart. Wanting no steps going up to it. I thought, you know what? I'm a, I'm a climb up right here. I mean, I was 30 yards from this guy's camera and uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of feel bad. Kind of don't because I, I don't know what this guy was doing that day, but he should have been in his area. But anyways, I didn't see a single deer all the way up till almost dark. And lo and behold, um, I'm turning around looking one way, and I heard something behind me turn. Seen a buck. I couldn't tell how big he was. And I instantly grunted at him, and he stopped. And I was like, he couldn't tell where it come from. So I hit him again. And this deer just completely doubled in size, bristled up, ears pinned back, pissed off death march. Here he comes. And um, I was shooting a 60-pound Matthews Triax last year, and uh, he stops at, like, 40 yards, and I shot. And I remember the arrow kind of hitting almost right where I was aiming, but I got – I didn't think I got very much penetration. Hmm. At that point, I could tell he was a, a decent deer, but I didn't know how good he was. Um, so what I did was I got down, walked over to the arrow, and I picked it up, and I could – kind of compare it to my other arrow and I only got like four inches of the penetration. Now I'm shooting a hundred grain, uh, dirt nap DRTs. That's what we've kind of always shot with uh, the guys on the team. And I was really nervous and I'd never backed out on a deer in my life. So I stuck another arrow in the ground, grabbed that one and took off up to my buddy's place. And as I was walking out, I heard coyotes like scary close. Huh. Um, the hunt on YouTube, you can actually hear them, dude. They lit up. I bet you there was 10 of them. And my first thought in my head was like, I'm scared I didn't put this deer down and, and finish him. And my first thought was like, you know, if they caught him, at least I'm going to have closure and know that, um, you know, I know that he's dead. You know, it's a big part of it. I hate wounding an animal. It drives me nuts. Yeah. But I backed out, come back the next morning. And, um, well, actually what I didn't tell you was I got home, I got a tape measure out and I was like sticking it up to my arrow and like measuring, I was sticking it up to like a mount that I uh, was at my buddy's place. And I was like, dude, there's no way I did not get along. There's no way I was like, there, he's got to be bleeding, but I went 20 yards and didn't see the first drop of blood. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm backing out. I'm leaving. And, uh, I went back in the next morning, picked up the arrow out of the ground and I went 30 yards and started finding blood. And when I say blood, I mean, I'm telling you, it was pouring. And I'm, I was sick because I knew instantly. I'm like, okay, I'm going to find him. And I guarantee you, I'm not going to find him the way that I want to find him. Yeah. I went another 50 yards and I started smelling wet dog. And that deer was 
completely eaten all the way up to the base of his, like where his ears are. Not, I mean, no, nothing left. And it was sickening, dude. Like I hate that more than anything. Uh, mainly because all the meat goes, you know, ruined and an animal like that, just of that caliber, I hate them going out like that. Yeah. But nothing I hate is having to pay for a cape because there wasn't a way I wasn't getting the thing mounted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. After seeing, after seeing it, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a solid deer for anywhere, let alone in the South, you know, in Tennessee, that's a, that's a tank of a buck to Mm -hmm. be able to go home with. Yeah. Um, uh, he actually ties my biggest deer. Um, he's like 153 and three eighths or something like that. But just the whole sequence of that is just so funny to me. And if you're out there and that's your trail camera, I want to hear from you because you've got a picture. <laughs> I know of the deer coming by your trail camera at some point. You've got a picture of me walking in with my stuff. And then you've got a picture of me walking out. Then you got a picture of me walking back in. And then you got a picture of me walking out with a smoke on my back. So... <laughs> <laughs> I would love to get that guy. I would love that guy to be able to be like, "Hey, I'm here. I'm listening." That's awesome. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, that's. Can you imagine like checking the camera and you like you see a guy walk by, you see the buck walk by, and then the next day you see me walking out with him. I mean, that's... I don't know if it would make me mad. At least I would know he. I wouldn't be hunting a deer that you know doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. That's true, man. That's but true. I mean. That's that's part of the beauty of public land hunting, you know. I mean, knowing I mean that's why I get so jacked up about it, knowing that at any point somebody could come in here mm-hmm. and hunt this and kill every buck in the area. Yeah. You know, I mean, just because a spot was good this year doesn't mean it's going to be good next year because somebody else may be in there and they may bring all their buddies to come and hunt it. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's part of what makes it. It's like a it's a it's the love hate thing you know with it because i mean i i it makes my stomach drop when i pull up to a boat ramp ready to just go and beast it on the kayak and and there's somebody else already there now there's thousands of spots they could possibly be in <laughs> but knowing that somebody else is out there with their boat it, it there's just something about it but it also is what kind of drives me to to go out and find those new areas and stuff so you know, I mean, maybe, maybe Jacob, maybe you did that guy a favor, <laughs> you know, maybe I hope he maybe went out I and did. killed another big buck because he got out of that area after seeing your pictures. Oh, heck yeah, dude. I hope he killed a boner, you know, good, yeah. good for him. Oh yeah. yeah. So you, uh, so, so you had no, no idea necessarily about that area. It wasn't, it wasn't a spot that you had hunted before it. I, I know for me, I have those type of situations as well. Do you find Jacob that your success rate on public goes up on those first first times in an area? Uh, yeah, I, I think it does. Honestly, um, to an extent, I, I think it's good to get to know an area, but it's also sometimes it's great if you can find that virgin ground that hasn't been trampled. You know, um, whereas everywhere around maybe has been trampled, and deer are pushed into that area. And if you're the first one up in there, they're, I mean, they're going to be a lot more susceptible to be killed, you know, that first, that first sit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you, you mentioned something that I thought was really good. And, um, you talked about, you know, the, the woods were wide open. They just look like those perfect, you know, the way I was picturing it was like the TV woods, you know, it's, it's your, your real tree woods, you know, where you go in and you, you can see a deer for 
a mile through the trees because there's just white oaks everywhere, wide open bottom. Um, but you said that you key in on those thicker areas. Now, I know I've been in a lot of those areas. You know, down south we have a lot of pine thickets, like real short pine stands and stuff where that, that provides a lot of really good cover. But that kind of goes away the further north you get. When you're when you're up there in Kentucky, Tennessee, Indiana, um, in some of those states, what are the what are the vegetation types that you're really looking for? Oh shoot! Looking for is in like maybe a food source or bedding. What are you getting at? Both. Like when you say you kind of gravitated towards the the thicker cover, um, I know it can be kind of hard to find in some of those monotonous type um, woods. I've looked at LBL on a map, and I'm like, I I can't even tell, you know, what it doesn't look like. There's a whole lot of diversity here. When you go into an area like that and looking for those diverse areas. Um, what, what's, what's, if you even have an example of kind of something that you're looking for? Uh, some of these places that I, I like to, to hit have, um, kind of the thicker grown up like CRP fields. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really looking for something that a rabbit has trouble crawling through. Um, but I want something like that close to an edge, like, you know, like a transition edge from like maybe pines to, um, like open hardwoods or like a crop field, like right up to an old cutover, you know, just, it's really, everywhere that I hunt is is so different. But for the most part, a lot of the places that I've hunted this past year anyways, between like uh, Kentucky and and Indiana, or excuse me, uh, Tennessee and Indiana out of state, uh, both of those are national forests. And like like I said earlier, they will do like timber cuts every now and then. Mm -hmm. It, It just seems like those places about, five to six years after they cut those are perfect because the deer can get up and walk around in there. And I mean, you almost, they almost feel comfortable getting up any time of day um, because they're cover completely covered. They've got tons of brows. Um, so honestly, if I can see, you know, over 50 yards, I, I almost don't even look at it. I'm not going to say the deer don't use it because obviously they do. You're going to find tracks and scrapes and rubs, in my opinion, most of those places are nighttime activity. And the activity that you're going to want to key in on is that, like, I mean, you want activity anytime, but you're going to get that activity on those transition edges from thick to maybe open or uh, like, um, like a kind of a lowland slough area to where, you know, it starts coming up in elevation a little bit, somewhere around in there. Yeah. Um, Right on those edges is where I really like to key in on. But, I I mean, I'd rather be a little bit in the thicker place than, you know, closer to the open. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, and and some of those places here in Alabama, like you'll run across places where you'll you'll be walking through there and you'll be like, oh, I didn't realize that it was going to be this thick in here. I was, you know, expecting it to be more wide open. And so you'll, you'll have those spots, those kind of thickets that are going to be um, – Un- unnoticeable on a map on mm-hmm. onyx map you're not just you're just not going to see them uh, but we also have like i said we have those pine thickets and things like that where you can you can see clearly from the map you can see those hard transition lines mm-hmm. and it seems like jacob some of the places that you're hunting because i know i've looked at them on maps and a lot of it looks super monotonous um it seems like a lot of those are more you got to go into an area you got to check it out you got to put boots on the ground and um, and it sounds like, you know, 
from doing that, you're able to key in on some of those more thick areas that, that maybe aren't noticeable on a map. Right, exactly. Sometimes Onyx and whatever other like apps people may use, it's really hard to tell with the imagery. And some of these things, they just don't update like they should. So definitely getting out there, especially this time of year. This is my favorite time of the year to scout because the leaves are gone. You're going to see what it looks like, you know, with nothing on the trees. You're going to see the beat down pass. Um, it, it's Like I was telling you guys earlier, something I really, really wanted to try this year was just a couple of these, like, uh, wildlife management areas that I hit. I just want to spend a day and turn on my tracker, and I'm going to follow a trail. I'm just going to follow it until I can't see it no more. I'm going to turn off my tracker. I'm going to save it. And I'm just going to hit every single deer trail coming out of every bed and area. I'm going to mark every single feed tree. I'm going to mark, you know, if I can find an actual bed. And if you jump a big buck out of a bed this time of year, assuming he's still holding his antlers, mark that spot. I mean, he may not come back to it for a while, but that's going to be a killer place to be, you know, maybe next year or something. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, now Drew, I know you have, uh, talked a little bit in the past about postseason scouting. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on the things that Jacob's talking about as far as like scouting right now? Scouting right now. Well, I didn't get out and do it a lot last year. So yeah. just doing it. Um, but just what Jacob said about walking that trail and turning the tracker on. Um, I think we, we kind of forget about the tracker being on, on, on X or whatever, yeah. whatever mapping, so, you know, software that you have, you just kind of forget about it because you, you're so used to marking scrape, rub crossing, you know, yeah. that you forget about the tracker. Um, I've, I've used it one time and I don't know why I, I have not used it more, Yeah, you know, because it's, it, it's a really cool tool for you to be able to see this is where, this is that deer trail, yeah. you know? Um, and, and, and so, but um, also, Jacob, when wh- whenever you're postseason scouting, um, do you um, do you? One of the things we talked about on the last episode was um, getting better at marking your Onyx stuff. Do you, do you do you put in the notes? This is a late season sign, or or what are what are you looking for when it comes to that late season sign? Are you looking for anything? Will, will you mark old rubs and and old scrapes? Or how, do, how does how does your onyx kind of look from a ten thousand foot view? Uh, well, um, it looks like a big red blob. Honestly, right. I'm, I'm not real bad. I'm kind of bad at labeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like um, instead of just like leaving the X there. Mm-hmm. Definitely, if you can't do it right at that time, you're just in a pinch. Whatever, mark it and go back to it. And if you can remember what you've seen, change the icon because that it's just going to paint a visual picture for you when once you look at it and say like okay well this is this this and this and this he must be traveling from here oh he must be you know there's right. that water right. source he looks like he's probably hitting that water you know if you sit back and, and you look at something like that and another thing that i i really really i don't do but i should more you should look at a map and just put put yourself as like a third or fourth year hunter it's like what is everybody looking at on this map everybody's looking at that back corner of that crop field. Everybody's looking at this saddle. They're looking at that pinch point, you you know, mark all those places that you think somebody else would be hunting. And then after that step back and, and really look at like, well, what is, what's somebody missing here? Like, that's a good point. What that people aren't seeing, uh, you know, when they're keying on, on those, those normal, I don't know how to, 
the the normal yeah just deer the, I, spots you know yeah like, yeah yeah that's good yeah that's that's a that's a really good point now i also want to ask you too jacob when when it comes to your private do you do you mark it up different and also um cuz i know there, there's a lot of guys that listen and um that that have you know a 40 acre spot a a 100 acre spot do you do onyx and mapping the same on there as you do on public or do you kind of know it well enough that you don't have to do that did you just did you just ask a man how he marks his privates no his private piece <laughs> a public 40 acres 100 acres you know some of us have 40 acre pieces some of us have 100 acre pieces don't judge a man by the size of his private that's right it's probably probably only about a 20 acre piece but that's beside the point um (laughs) my uh my private man i'm so i'm used to it so i kind of know right what to expect um but what i do like is um i'm going to go in and delete you know some of um some of the stuff from like years past I might leave like the stuff from last year. And then, you know, once things start heating up, go back and check those areas. And like, I might just have to move some pins just a little bit around, you know, mm-hmm. but as far as my private areas, I, I really don't key on it too much. I do like to mark where my cameras are. Cause I'm notorious for setting a camera and forgetting where it's at. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So another question in that same vein, when it, when it comes to your hundred acres, what is something that you will not do on it? Because everyone always asks, how do you hunt 100 acres? How do you hunt small property? What is something that you will not do on that 100 acres? And I'm I, I'm going to interrupt you real quick, yeah. Drew, because I think that's I think that's an important thing. Uh, Jacob, you mentioned a while ago that you, uh, in 2018, you killed your your target, target buck, buck mm-hmm. f- on on your private piece. So um, I think I think what you're saying, what your your answer is going to be, um, something worth taking note of. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of times that's hard to do, especially for guys who are hunting public and private. Mm -hmm. I know when I go into like a piece of private land, I want to go in and be as aggressive as I possibly can. But sometimes you can't. Right. And uh, so I think guys who are listening to this, who are trying to figure out how to hunt, you know, differently on their private piece versus yeah. big piece of public. Because there's a lot of guys that have just what Jacob has, you know, a 20, 40 acre family Mm -hmm spot that's been in you know a family's had it for 20 30 years yeah and so so jacob go ahead man i i really i try to be very conservative to an extent uh, when i say that i have about two places on that property that i do not go in okay. i will not i mean like going in there and putting a camera i yeah. want to keep it you know as least disturbed as i possibly can um and that year uh, that i had that buck show up it turned out to be the only shooter that um, I was really planning on, you know, wanting, wanting to take off that property. Um, and I knew about where he was coming from um, almost every single time he'd pop up on camera. And it, I'm a very impatient person. And just recently I have taught myself to be patient and do not hunt a bad wind. Right. Um, obviously, I mean, you might what you think is a perfect wind, and it's going to swirl a little bit. But I've really, really keyed in on – do not go in there if you think that wind is going to blow from where he, he's coming from because you're not going to be a whitetail's nose. You're just not going to do it. Right. Um, and I believe there are some things out there that can help you um, or delay uh, the busting process, but I just learned to be very cautious on 
um, when I hunt a certain area that I have a deer coming in of, you know, of that caliber and definitely don't pressure them in their, uh, core bedding areas, you know, give them up, give them a reservoir, give them a place to go and rest and not be messed with. Yeah. Now, do you find Jacob, do you, do you do the same thing on public or do you get more aggressive? No. And it might sound crappy, but that's, I mean, you don't know if somebody's going to come in there the next day after you're being passive on public and completely blow the spot up. So I'm all out hundred percent aggressive when it comes to hunting public. Um, I want to try to capitalize as quick as I can, especially, you know, buying these out of state tags and you know, having family and stuff and, and traveling. I'm not down there. I'm not going two hours or three or four hours away from home. You know, I'm not going to waste all season trying to tag a freaking 140 150 inch deer i'm going to shoot the first respectable buck that comes by me in in both states 90 percent of the time now i'm not going to shoot a, a, a super small deer because I, I do want to be happy with what i killed i want to have a good story you know behind it and all but no i'm definitely a totally different animal when it comes to hunting uh, the public versus my little private parcels yeah and i think that's good um I, I talk to guys who hunt private land all the time and they're asking me about you know, some of the strategies that we talk about here um, on the podcast, some of the stuff that I do on videos and things like that. And, and uh, my dad's a good, a really good example. Um, I think, you know, it's really, really hard to see somebody like, like, like us going in and just like, now we're going to get right up into the dang bedding area. We're going to go into that thick spot. We're going to, you know, walk mm-hmm. in and if we don't kill him, then we're not going to go back in there for, a, a while right. and that's you know that's kind of if i if if i know that i messed up an area i'm not going to go back in there for a while and that's that's really another thing that's kind of beautiful about public land hunting is is you really need to have these areas that mm-hmm. uh, you need to have plenty of spots that you can go into and you know for lack of better words go in and kind of screw up mm-hmm. you know because because you got you've got to be aggressive i love what you said jacob you know you don't know when somebody else is going to go in there while you're sitting there being passive and not hunting on the wrong wind, Bubba's probably in there and is, you know, in his ground blind and tearing it all up, which is fine. He has the ability to do that. It's public land. Um, right. Uh, I think Jamie McKay said, said that on the podcast that we did with him a couple weeks ago. He said, you know, sometimes I just go in. I don't pay. He said he, he pays attention to the wind. But if it's that's it <laughs> that if it's a wrong wind, that does not necessarily mean in those hills that it's going to be the wrong wind in that spot. So right. they go in there anyways, right? And uh, and so I think that's I think that's really good. So so Jacob, kind of moving on um, past that hunt. So you started off the season pretty dang strong on the early season velvet hunt. Why don't you talk about that? Uh, man, it was a really neat experience and. I'm trying not to look too forward to it this year because uh, Maddie, my girlfriend, um, she actually went three weeks early with her last kid. And if you do the math, it's going to be really <laughs> close to that, that date. And and I love her to death, but uh, it, it's killing me. I, but, yeah, that was a fun hunt. I actually ended up calling Jacob Myers and was talking about doing – or he was talking about doing the hunt and asked me if I was going. I'm like, no, I don't have private land. He goes, well, listen, dude, not – I mean, people know, but – not every, not everybody in the world knows that it's open to public this year on a couple of parcels uh, in the chronic wasting disease zone. 
And instantly he's like, Andy can use a muzzleloader. I'm like, heck yeah, let's go. I'm all <laughs> for it, man. Let's do it. And uh, went down there. I got down there. Um, it was actually the first day of season was a Friday. And I looked around um, for two hours before dark and didn't even come across the first deer in the fields. Um, and our tactic was not – I couldn't find any public down there that had ag on it. So we were going to try to find an ag field, butt it up to public and catch those deer coming either to the ag in the afternoon or leaving the ag fields and heading back to the timber. Um, we hunted a spot that was, there was deer tracks everywhere and we didn't come across much. And, and, and Jacob actually suggested a different spot uh, that we went up to and the beans were super tall. I mean, they were almost, I mean, they I'm going to stand up just to get records. I mean, they were close <laughs> to my chest high already. <laughs> I, I, I had to stand up. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't sure about it, but I, I, I know from especially hunting around here, those deer, they don't need the woods. They don't need nothing. All they need is a bean field, a place to drink some water. And, and that's it. Yeah. They can live in the field. So, uh, Jacob, you know, he invited me down, so I let him pick where he wanted to go. He kind of picked, picked the backside of this property and um, went around, and, and I was actually up in the tree, like, and shot the buck that I did, like, five minutes after he got set up, and I'd been set up in the tree for an hour. So I wasn't hunting far from the road at all, whereas he was getting a little bit further back there. What kills me about this hunt is that I shot the smallest deer that I've seen that entire afternoon. Wow. Um, yeah, um, I actually didn't take my binoculars with me and I'll tell you why it's cause I'm stupid. Um, <laughs> and, um, I had a giant, it'd been the biggest deer that I'd ever killed by far stand up in these beans, dude. And from 500 yards away or so hit, I mean, it, it was massive. I, I'm thinking the deer was probably like mid sixties, maybe pushing 170. I don't know. He was a giant. Hmm. He stood up disappeared and stood up and disappeared and then another one stood up in front of me about 100 yards that was a dang nice deer 125 inch deer just stood up and laid right back down like there are freaking bucks everywhere <laughs> and you know before i knew it i seen a rack buck running across the bean field for whatever reason ran all the way to my right stopped and just started walking down the bean row right in front of me and like I said, I'm out of state. I'm down here away from family. I'm going to capitalize on almost any opportunity I get. Shot that buck, ran 50 yards and piled up in the woods and called Jake to come down there. And he come down uh, the ditch and that bigger buck, we never saw him again. But the one that was out in front of me, Jake actually shot at this deer three times with a muzzleloader. <laughs> and because, yeah. The way the wind was blowing, and what I think it was, was I think he, he stuck around. Hold on, I want to say Jacob. Pro, I think he left that part out of the story. The three different shots. Uh, it it was insane because I think when I shot, <laughs> the deer heard the shot and nothing happened to him. So he was like, you know, what was that? Um, then Jake come down. The deer stood up and started walking right to us, but the beans were so high you can't see his vitals standing yeah. on the ground. He shot the first time. He ran back out in the field. Well, we crouch down, reload, and I'm trying to just, in my head, I'm like, just shoot him again. Try shooting him again. Just guess where his body is, you know? Well, what have we got to lose? And uh, he shot the second time, and the deer didn't even move. Didn't even flinch. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, you have to put the mule deer stock on this stupid deer. He had the sun in his eyes. The wind was ripping back in our face. This was, it was perfect. I was like, just just go out there after him. He snuck out there in the beans, and I'm standing there with binoculars, his binoculars, and he shot again, and the deer took off running. And I watched him in my binoculars, and he must have just barely grazed him or something because I, we found a little bit of blood but never found the deer, which kind of sucked. But it was really fun to pack out that buck and um, at least put my elk pack to use at some point because yeah. I sure couldn't do it in auto. Now, and that, 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 that specific was, buck, did you ever get a uh, – well, I guess you if you packed him out, you didn't get a weight. What would you guess that deer weighed? Because I remember seeing pictures of him, and he looked like a cow. Uh, man, it, it's hard to say. <laughs> the sucker was uh, – I mean, I honestly couldn't put a, an uh, honest guess on it. But I'll say this. We had trouble dragging him back in the woods after we had cut everything off. Um, it was, it was ridiculous. I think, I mean, he could have been more than 225 pounds. I'm not sure. He was a giant. Mm, he's man. a big deer. And especially cause I mean, he wasn't a small, I wouldn't say he's a small buck by any means. Um, and of course with velvet, they all look a little bit bigger as far as the mass department goes. But I mean, his body was huge. Um, and, and when you kind of put those, all of those, situations that happened that day together i mean you'd only been up there for an hour you'd climbed up on a field edge while there's a ton of bucks just hanging out in the field um man it kind of seems like looking at that a lot of people would tend to be not aggressive at all because they're like i'm not gonna go climb on that field edge with all those deer i'm gonna be more conservative Uh, do you think that the amount obviously they hadn't been pressured before that um, did that come into play with how, you know, it all kind of worked out? The pressure was, you think? Yeah, yeah, pressure. Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely – I think the best time to kill a big buck, in my opinion, is early season. If you hunt a state that isn't, you know, you, you got a chance to do it. These deer are on a feed-to-bed pattern. They typically aren't too cautious yet, Um being from Kentucky, I mean, that's what you dream of. One of my my second biggest deer uh, was uh, in the first day velvet kill, and I mean, he I had no idea he even existed. Just come strolling by, heading to some beans. Um, but yeah, those deer down there definitely they were they weren't pressured at all. And between all you know, everybody listening, these deer were like less than two hundred fifty yards off a road. Um, wow. for the most part, the bigger one was a little bit further back, but I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy to think that, you know, deer like that will straight up just hang out out in the middle of a field. And, and that's what they do a lot of times in early season. You know, they're, they're only, only concern is food and grabbing a drink of water, you know? And you're talking about a public land, Southern, a Southern public land deer hunt. And you had at least as far as you know three solid bucks out in the field just asking to be shot i mean that's that's an incredible thing i mean if if i hadn't you know been so focused on making sure i got my hunt on film the first thing i'd done is jumped out of that tree saddle and ran down the fence row and uh try to get a, a closer shot on that bigger one but i was kind of hoping like he would maybe make his way over. By the way, I had open sights on my muzzleloader, 
I didn't have a scope. Um, so it made it a little bit more difficult of a shot, especially with the beans being as tall as they were. Yeah. And correct me. So there was a couple of things about this hunt that were kind of interesting. I remember watching your video on it. Um, you, this is your first saddle hunt, correct? That was the first time I ever sat in a saddle. So, so how did you feel about that? So first, obviously your first time sitting in a saddle and you shoot a buck, that's pretty cool. Um, is that something yeah. that you're going to continue doing? Oh yeah. Um, kind of got hooked on it, honestly. It's neat, but I'm always open to try, you know, anything, but to say that saddle hunting isn't the most mobile way to hunt, I think is kind of wrong. Um, because you can't wear a tree stand in, you know, and climb right up and be, you know, be sitting there like you can with a saddle. You need a couple sticks and, and you're done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Jake literally taught me how to use that saddle in a Popeye's chicken parking lot the night before. Um, <laughs> I can't tell you how many, tree. I can't tell you how many little shrub trees outside of restaurants I've shown people how to, how to saddle hunt on. It's so much fun. I love it. Um, yeah, it, it was so neat, man. It, it, and to kill one first time sitting in one, it, it definitely had me hooked. Did you, uh, did you end up buying one after that? Well, what had happened, of course, that was Jacob's that I borrowed from his. Uh, we ended up hunting together again in Tennessee, and he brought it up again uh, later on in the year. Um, I shot a doe on that hunt and was unable to find her. Uh, but Stephen with the hunting grounds kind of, uh, I think he, Trophy Line reached out to him and um, kind of made a deal, and, and they got a couple of us some, some saddles to try out. And, I mean, obviously everybody knows Trophy Line is a little bit lower in saddle, but I'm kind of a budget guy. Uh, and if it works, then yeah, I'm sure. – I'm, I'm not willing to spend that extra price gap for, to me, is a smaller, you know, convenience, you know, maybe just a couple of things are different about it. I can get over it. That's just, that's just me. Sure. Um, a lot of guys out there, they want the most comfy thing they can get in They're They'll spend $500 to cut down a couple ounces. And that's great. If that's the way you want to roll, then go for it. <laughs> it ain't yeah. nobody's right to knock anybody for hunting the way they want to hunt. So, yeah. So, so first buck out of a saddle happened right there. First sit in a saddle. Um, that's pretty dang cool. The other thing that was interesting about this is that you did not have your camera and, uh, yet you got it all on film. Is that, am I remembering that right? That's correct. And I got my, I wouldn't say my butt chewed for it, but, uh, definitely <laughs> Stephen was kind of upset. I, it was supposed to rain that day. So. I didn't have my rain cover with me from the camera, so I just grabbed uh, my little camera mount that I got from my phone that goes around the tree and kind of swivels whichever way I want it to point. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, and and the, here's the thing. It was good. Like, it was good footage. Like, it wasn't – I would say, like, when it comes to, you know, filming a hunt, I have seen worse, worse videos done with – higher-end cameras than that one i've made worse videos with a higher-end camera than that one was with your cell phone i mean like that was to me what that did you didn't just prove that your everyday average guy can go out in the south and find a place to kill a good buck in velvet um on public land you also proved that hey you can self-film if you got a if you got a an iphone or a android or whatever and a couple dollars to get them out you can self-film I thought that was really neat. 
Yeah, here's a here's I don't know if you want to call it a tip, but I don't know if people are trading in their cell phones nowadays when they get a new one, but stop doing that. You've got a freaking awesome camera on your cell phone. Like these things are about as good as like you can get quality wise. Maybe not with zoom and audio, but the picture is gonna be great. And for an average guy that's, you know, not looking to, to make some kind of real tree video, you know, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. I, I did know, I made people, a Go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. I'm just no. I, I, people are more interested in seeing real life hunts now than they are somebody in a box blind with a guy sitting behind them with with a ten thousand dollar camera on them that's the size of um, a laptop or something. You know. Yeah. Um, I think it, everybody's starting to gravitate towards that more real kind of look, vlog style hunting, which is what ninety percent of us, you know, are doing. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that I started doing this year is I used to carry a GoPro around with a microphone, and I still do from time to time. I put it on my tether for a second angle and pretty much 100% of the time forget to turn it on when I shoot. So you don't ever – I just basically carry my <laughs> GoPro out there for no reason. Um, but, but just one, for looks. Yeah, it really is. It's just so when I post an Instagram picture, people are like, oh, that guy's legit. Second camera angle. He's got a second <laughs> camera angle up there. Um but one of the things I started doing is just carrying my phone. I mean, when I'm doing like when I'm in the kayak or at the boat ramp or when I'm walking in, scouting, whatever. I've done several videos this year that from from Florida. There's one video from Florida that is 100% done with my iPhone. And honestly, I don't see a whole lot of difference in it um from like a GoPro or a vlog style camera. Now, obviously, you start getting into mirrorless cameras and and good cameras that have, you know, good f-stop, shallow depth of field, um, you know, there's a difference. But it still, when it comes to like a GoPro or anything like that, your phone camera will do yeah. just as good. I can't tell you how many people I talk to on a weekly basis asking, you know, what are you using to film? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are really surprised to hear that I do a lot with my cell phone. I mean, that camera is so good in there. People would have paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars 10 years ago to have a camera as good as the iPhone camera, you know, to be able to fit in the palm of their hand. Um, So I thought, you know, Jacob, I thought that was a really cool aspect. So so maybe you can tell Stephen, you know, hey, I talked to a guy that self-films, and he thought it was really (laughs) cool. (laughs) Well, Steven's very hard-headed, uh, so it, it wouldn't matter. But, no, I, I love, him to death. love him to death, but uh, he definitely wants the best quality, you know, footage and, and audio that we can possibly get. And I've been doing it long enough. That's that's something I should be doing. But I actually just sold my Canon XA10, and I don't really know what I'm going to go with next year. It, it doesn't matter because I can't – self-filming is, is difficult enough as is, and getting that, like, high-end – TV production look. I mean, it what it doesn't matter. Like if you're gonna not get that, you might as well get it with a, a smaller camera that doesn't weigh a crap ton. And yeah, um, yeah. you know what I mean. I, I think I was asking you about your camera, and I'm, I'm really looking to downsize. But all I want is something that takes a mic and a remote. I want the thing to be small. Yeah, um, yeah. And that that Sony that AX33 AX53. That's what you're looking for, man. It's a really really solid choice. Um, and, I, you know, I think a lot of guys would find value in that because you really do get a good quality, and uh, it's a fraction of the price and a fraction of the size. 
And uh, and I found out, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I found out that it can actually swim and <laughs> and be okay afterwards. It just takes a, a couple of days in a in a rice bath to to get all the water out of it. But um, nice. So so moving on from that trip, that was that was a cool way to start the season. Uh, what did your season look like after that? Oh gosh, it was. Kentucky was a, a complete bust this year. Um, I spent so much time and effort trying to locate a, a, a shootable buck, you know, on my property, and it just wasn't happening. Um, I actually resorted to hunting some public land in Kentucky, which I haven't done in years. Uh, I'm trying to think of how this whole season went. I shot quite a few does um, here and there. Um, let's see the first buck I killed after the Tennessee early season hunt was in Indiana on some public land. It was a pretty neat little spot, man. It's, it's got, it's got the hardwoods. It's got the acorns. It's got the, uh, the lowlands and it's got a huge like slough on it and it borders a crop field. And, um, I actually found the farmer on Onyx and I asked him if it would be cool to access, um, the backside of this public using his field. I said, I wasn't interested in all in hunting. I just want to use it to get a shortcut back here, which is a great freaking tool. Like you want to tell somebody like, I don't want to hunt on you. I would just love to walk across your property. I'm not using a four wheeler. I'm not going to tear anything up or leave trash. I'm just looking to cut my walking time down. And he was actually, I guess I try to be as polite as possible. He was actually pretty pleased with the way I presented myself that he said, well, I don't care if you hunt it. So um, <laughs> actually, I actually went up there and, um, the day before I killed that deer, they had completely cut the crop out, um, while they were harvesting it. I should have went on and hunted, but I didn't want to get in their way. So I come back the next day and it had snowed. So a freshly cut cornfield, two or three inches of snow on the ground. That's a no brainer, dude. Yeah. All I did was I walked the field edge until I found, uh, like the, the most deer tracks where the deer had been coming into the field that night. Um, probably feeding while it was snowing, trying to get as much, you know, food intake as they possibly could. And climbed up in a, a tree, and as I was setting up, had some does come in behind me. And about an hour later, here comes this buck, and I, he had a rack. And I'm like, you're done, bud. <laughs> if you give me a shot, I'm going to shoot you. And, and he walked to five yards under my tree. And you know that spot in your saddle when you're like, okay, I can't shoot here. It's not even possible. I hope he doesn't come and stop right there. Well, that's what he did. And pretty sure I still have a pulled muscle in my back from <laughs> yanking my bow back, making that shot, but drove it right through his front shoulder, watched the deer just spew blood through the snow. I've been wanting to see it all my life and pile up 50 yards. And I actually uh, ended up packing him out that night as well. But wow. that's, uh, that's the next one that I ended up killing. And then I got lucky again down at LBL uh, just a couple of weeks ago with my buddy's crossbow, just kind of going in there to retrieve some trail cameras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that one was pretty cool. I want to, I want to back you up just a little bit though. And, and uh, you mentioned that you were using the DRT broadheads. And then you also said on that buck in Indiana that you drilled him right in the front shoulder. Now, when you say that, do you mean you went through through the bone, through the shoulder, and uh, and that that was kind of your shot. Uh, it went through both shoulder blades. Um, I have yet to hit that. Uh, well, I don't even know what it's called. I call it the no-no bone. If you hit it, I don't think it really matters what you're shooting. 
you're not going to normally you're not going to break through it. And if you do, you're probably not going to get very far through it at all. Um, but yeah, the, I've had a lot of luck with those things and I don't want to sit here and make a sales pitch, but Tom over at dirt nap has, has really created a really nice fixed blade broadhead dude. And they got a lifetime warranty on them. You can go out and shoot the thing in a rock. He don't care. Send him enough, send him one. He'll send it right back to you. A brand new one. But they've they've been really good to me, and every deer that I have shot with them has went down within about a hundred yards. Even even the one that I ended up uh, not retrieving that night down at Lane Between the Lakes um, in 2018. I mean that deer, he died within earshot, and I just didn't realize it. You know. Yeah. 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 I mean that's to me. You know that's and I think a lot of guys right now um, are are really into this, interested into this. You know, big fixed blade, heavy arrow kind of setup, you know, and, you know, hunting public does something and everybody's going to do it the next week, you know, and um, they kind of of, uh, got interested in it this year. And lately, since they they did a podcast recently with Ranch Ferry, and uh, I'm sure you've noticed, Jacob, too, that, I mean, there's just a giant influx in people being interested in these heavy arrow builds and things like that. And that's one of the things that those DRTs kind of, uh, you know, they, they kind of have that, that same, um, I don't know, attractive feature. They're big, they're going to cut, they're going to, you know, they're, they're, they're solid. And, uh, and so I, you know, I know you're not trying to do a sales pitch, but that's a good opportunity for guys to know there's something else out there that, uh, that might, that might be something that they may, may want to look at. Um, and you know, I think they've got a couple of 200 and, well, the cool thing about them, they got a modular weight system, so they come standard 125, or you can unscrew the little weight that they have on them that's on the threads, and it makes it 100. Um, they got some that are 200 grain that you can make 175, and some of them that are 225 that you can make 200. Um, so you don't have to buy two separate weights, and it comes with it. That's another really cool thing that I like about them. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think you're just going to see a rise in people, you know, really wanting to move to the the heavier heavier arrows heavier heads and um especially especially fixed blade Mm -hmm. i think that's going to be something that that people are going to be doing a whole lot especially this off season so if guys are listening to this looking at your options that's a definitely an option to check out um okay so so moving on you know your your uh i guess quote unquote lucky lucky hunt and uh, at, at LBL that you were talking about. Tell us how that went down. <laughs> well, I went, I had intentions of getting up early and going down and actually jumping in the saddle and, and making a hunt out of it because uh, before my spy point, uh, Link Micro had died, I, I'd been getting a pretty decent little buck on uh, a couple places that I uh, had hunted in years past, um, or not years past, but the year past. Um, and then, of course, it died, so I had no idea what was going on down there. Um, so that trip was going to be a hunt in the morning and grab my cameras and, and get home before dark. But it turned into a, I'm going to sleep in and just go down there about 10 o'clock kind of a deal ordeal. So I got down there about noon and uh, was going to just walk in with my pack. And I'm like, dude, I better take this crossbow. And, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't 100, 150 yards from the truck, and – big open timber like right on the edge of a, a, a cut i could see a buck just walking and luckily it was real windy so every time he'd walk i'd walk and i followed this deer for 200 yards 
until he kind of went over this little, just a small crest in the hill, got in the creek bottom, got within probably 100 yards of him, and then I took my boots off. I'm like, he's probably going to be somewhere close right up here because there was a big cedar thicket. Well, if he had went on in it, I'd have never killed him, but he, he stayed right on the edge of it, faced away from me. Wind was blowing in my face. I'm like, this got to be the dumbest deer I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I took my, like I said, I took my boots off, just walking up on him in my socks, and I put myself between um, a, him and a huge white oak. And just every time the wind would blow, I'd take a step and take a step and take a step until I got about 40 yards from him. And I really couldn't tell how big he was. But, you know, like I said, uh, there was only like three or four days left to hunt LBL. And I had another Tennessee tag to fill. And I was going to shoot him if I could. Got as, as soon as I got ready to, like, wait wait this deer out for him to stand up, the wind hits me in the back of the neck. The deer, like, goes from, like, half asleep to, like, holy crap, <laughs> something's close. And he stood up, leaned out around the tree like I was on Call of Duty, and pulled the trigger. <laughs> That's crazy, the rest, man. The rest of history, yeah. It, it, what sucked is I couldn't video it. My phone was on like 8%. I left a, my phone charger at home. So what I actually did was I didn't see him go down. I thought I heard him go down. I ran out, got my butt in my truck, and drove 30 minutes to a Dollar General and bought a stupid phone charger that charged my phone a whopping like 2 more percent <laughs> on my way back. Oh, I was mad. <laughs> Uh, I ended up going in there and finding that deer, cutting him up, packing him out all in one trip as much as I could possibly handle, getting back to the truck, and then still having to walk about another two miles um, in the opposite directions to go grab some cameras. So it was a very eventful day, very tiring day, and I definitely crashed when I got home. Yeah, I'll bet. It sounds like you got busy making a baby is what it sounds like you got busy doing after that, but... You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, man, that's, I mean, that's crazy, though, when you think about it. You know, a lot of guys, myself included, if I'm walking out and I happen to see a deer, my instincts, what what you, everything you just said would be what I would plan on doing. Right. But probably is not what I would actually do in the heat of the moment. Like, You've got to make these decisions that are, you know, it's going to be a, a deal breaker on whether or not you're going to kill this buck. And, you know, even even when you look at taking off your shoes, like um, just so you could do that and walking with the wind and really being patient and waiting this deer out. It really seems like, you know, is this something, Jacob, that you had done before? It's kind of this. I mean, this was definitely the definition of spot and stalk. I had never done it on a buck. Um, I mean, a couple times, you know, you spot a doe and it's like, let's see if I can pull this crap off. And right. I had you know, a, a, here, here and there a couple times in the past. and But no, this was my first experience, you know, spotting and stalking a deer like that. Um, most of the places I hunt, like I was telling, it's super thick. You ain't sneaking up on nothing in there. They're in there for a reason. You know what yeah. I mean? And this deer... Whatever he was doing at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, out walking around on public land after people have been hunting all year long, it's beyond me. He, I mean, for all I know, he could have chronic wasting disease and was in la-la land, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's that's still just, it's something, you know, 
when we're sitting here talking about it, you know, or you see if I, you know, seeing your your Facebook post about the the whole thing, it's it's really easy to overlook that there was a ton of strategy. I mean, there's guys out there who this is the way that they hunt. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a luck thing. Like there's a lot, maybe even more skill involved in. I mean, obviously it's it's lucky seeing the deer out at twelve o'clock, just walking around in open hardwoods and on right. public land. That that's a, a certain piece of luck right there, but being able to capitalize in the moment. And I think there's a lot of things that, that I know mm-hmm. I can learn yeah. from that. Uh, yeah. and, and what I do is a lot of the time I will look at those type of situations like yours, Jacob, and, and, or other things that I've heard guys say in podcasts or on videos or something like that. I look at those and I'm like, ah, probably never going to happen to me. But then you get stuck in those situations or, or maybe it's like, like this situation for you where it was like, oh, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> Should I take the crossbow? Should I not take it? Um, like there's a lot of deal breakers that are in there. But you think about those situations, and that's kind of the motivation. When you hear those stories like that, that's your motivation for, man, I just really don't know what might happen. I, I need to be ready. I need to be prepared. I need to think about how am I going to make this happen if just by – I mean, I'm in the woods – there's chance that it could happen. If the small chance that it does happen, what am I going to do? And I, I think, you know, looking at it, you could say you could write it off as luck or you could write it off as this could be a, a learning situation for a lot of guys who are listening to this. So um, definitely, dude, don't don't feel like, like there wasn't any skill involved in that one because I feel like that one was, you know, that's, that's some Daniel Boone crap mm-hmm. right there is what that is. <laughs> oh. Awesome. Yeah, definitely never. If it's if it's season and you got a tag in your pocket, you better be packing something to kill a deer or a turkey, or whatever. Whether it's a knife or a bow and arrow, you know. Yeah, yeah. Jacob, I would I would be interested to hear because LBL is just known for uh, pressure, um, both on the Kentucky side and the Tennessee side. What? Oh yeah. Was there a lot of pressure there this year? Because I mean, I, I mean, obviously there's not too much because it's, it's, it's a buck walking in the middle of the hardwoods. So, but I mean, did you did you see a lot of pressure over there this year? I honestly went down there and set cameras in mid September, and I didn't make it back down to hunt in, until the day I went and got my cameras. Mm-hmm. It just it didn't work out for me. I was so focused on hoping something would show up on my property, you know, that's ten miles from the house versus. Um, right. driving two hours down there, um, you know, by myself right. and, and taking a chance of not seeing the thing and then driving, you know, back home that night or whatever. So I, I really put off going back down there, uh, just because of, you know, what was going on around here, just hoping something would show. And just, it just never did. I had, I had one good buck show up in Kentucky this year while I was working an outage at a Toyota, uh, manufacturing facility. Uh, I'm an IBW electrician, by the way, so we it's, it's feast or famine. And, right. of course, when he shows up, we're working an outage in 14-hour days, and I literally talked to my foreman. It's like, listen, he showed up two days in a row. I was like, I really, really want to kill this deer. I, I really don't think I'm going to come in tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, I ended up going ahead and going on into work being a responsible adult, and the son of a gun showed up right on schedule the third day, and I could see my – tree in the background he's like oh god this makes me sick and you never show back up again <laughs> mm, that's uh that's how it works sometimes yep, that's how it works but, 
Uh, well, dude, that's that's some cool stuff. So, so I want to just briefly ask you. I know you're a you're a turkey hunting fool, like a lot of us are. Uh, what are your plans for turkey season this year? Whew! All right. Well, this year, um, it's a possibility. You know, if the funds are there, um, I got to kind of got my set in stone places. I'm for sure going. I'll. Of course, hunt here in Kentucky on uh, our opener. Um, definitely plan on hitting Tennessee, and we go to Kansas every year on some public bow hunting turkeys. But uh, I might try to make a trip down and hunt Alabama um, right off the bat, depending on the weather. If it's going to be cooler, I'll probably just back out and, and save the money because we went down there last year on a huge piece of private, um, 18,000 acres or something like that, and – a hundred people in this hunt club and one person killed a turkey and it was just because he walked by and it, I mean, it was cold. Didn't yeah. hear hardly anything gobble. So, yeah. you know, if the weather looks great, I might head down there uh, first because you just got the season open so early. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually pushed it back this year. I think it opens the 21st of March this year. Usually it's the 15th, um, but they pushed it back a week. So that's kind of a bummer, but gotcha. so, so, uh, so what are some, what are some possibilities? Like, what are you, what are you looking forward to the most about turkey season in 2020? Oh, dude, Kansas is my favorite trip of the year. Um, we've done it three or four years in a row now, and it's just so much fun getting out of what you're used to and going out there and hunting those rios and, uh, doing it with a bow is super exciting. And the coolest thing about it is I actually did a podcast with the Southern outdoorsman guys on how cheap it can really be to travel out there to hunt. Um, nobody's doing it. Nobody. It, we've been out there, like I said, three or four years and we've come across like two hunters ever. Hmm. And they're normally, they're, they're hunting a private parcel close to some public out there. So you've got the whole place to yourself. You got the loud mouth turkeys that, just love to talk and be show offs and get to go out there and hunt them with your bows before everybody shows the shotgun. So there's, so there's a separate season for archery turkeys out there. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Wow. Okay. A week and a week and a half before shotgun. Um, I think it runs corresponding with their youth season. So the youth can hunt with a shotgun the same time that we can hunt with our bows. Okay. Or a crossbow. So that's cool. That's that's fun. I, you know, I grew up hunting Rios in West Texas, and uh, have not gotten to hunt them since. And you know, I mean, there is an aspect of Rios that are just fun because they're just not as smart, it seems, as these Easterns. So uh, I, I do want to. I'm itching to get get somewhere where I can hunt Rios. So I may I may end up trying to go and do that Kansas hunt. That sounds like a a, a lot of fun. Um, with a bow, I think that would be, that'd be really cool. And, you know, for guys listening to this, that, you know, it it is, it is so, once, once I learned about public, you know, and kind of the endless opportunities that you have with it. And I think that's kind of the, that's kind of the point of this whole conversation. I think that's kind of the the main point that I'm getting from this is how uh, not easy it is to kill animals. I mean, there is, there's a lot of skill that's involved with it. But how how accessible some of this stuff is. I mean, when I learned about public land and the opportunities that are on public land mm-hmm. all across the U.S., 
I mean, everything just opened up because I used to, I, I just grew up in that, you know, Monster Bucks era yeah. where Outfitters was the only way to go. And if you, if you couldn't get on an Outfitter, then you were just, you were, you were nothing. You didn't have any chance. Um, public land's for poor people. Right. And you, if you want to have a chance to, to kill anything, you need to go on an Outfitted hunt. And that is just not true. It is just, it's so false. Yeah. yeah. And, and thinking back on some of the stories, Jacob, that you've told, um, just from your past season, that's incredibly obvious. I mean, and even looking at it on the, on the uh, you know, about having private land access, you just went up to a guy and said, hey, can I walk through your property? And he pretty much gave you permission to hunt his land. I mean, like, that's that's just as, just as cool, you know? I mean, there's just so many opportunities out there that I think are just absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. No doubt. So, man, I, I do really appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us, man. I, yeah, man. I, I, know, I know I got a lot out of it. I hope listeners got a lot out of it. I'm pretty sure, you know, that uh, if, if, if anybody can, can get one thing out of this, you know, obviously we talked about a lot of tactics that you use, Jacob, and, um, and they work. There's no doubt about it. You look at your, at your record and it, they work. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that I, that I got the most out of is, you know, we have a lot of opportunities and, uh, and it's just ready yeah. for us to take advantage of Yeah. It. And we didn't even talk duck hunting, you yeah. know, which was, uh, that's also public, you yeah. know? And yeah. so there, there's that. And, and, and Jacob, it's, it's not like you are, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're not making a million dollars a year. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're a regular dude, nine to five, maybe, maybe a little more than that, but you're able to hunt three different whitetail states, you know, and then, um, going to Kansas for a, a turkey hunt. And, um, I mean, you know, it's just that, yeah. that's just really cool. Like I can do that. If it's accessible. Yeah. Is it's it, there. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Jacob, man, I do appreciate you coming on the show. Where where can our uh, our listeners find out more about you? Oh, uh, well, first and foremost, if you want to kind of check out, you know, all the footage and stuff that I lay down, um, you want to go check out the Hunting Grounds uh, YouTube page. It's uh, it's the Hunting. That's without a G. Grounds. Um, we got a Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, definitely check it out if you're interested in a good mix of like land management and some public hunting. Um, but as far as me, um, I mean, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook, whatever, Jacob Emery. My Instagram is, uh, heck, I don't even know what it is, honestly. Let me pull it up. In my... <laughs> it's my name is Jacob Emery underscore THG TV. Um, I pretty much post everything hunting and my kiddos and, uh, pretty much what you're going to get from checking out my stuff. I'm just, all about family and hunting. I don't have any other hobbies. I've never done drugs. I rarely <laughs> drink a bit. I'm a pretty straightforward guy. My only addiction is chasing something that I can hunt. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, dude, from uh, from Southern Ground, thanks for coming on the yeah, show. Yeah, man, appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. I enjoy it. All right, that's going to be it for this episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, We'll be back here next week, same time, same place. Hopefully you guys will be here with us again. Check us out at Southern Ground Hunting. 
on Instagram at Southern Ground Hunting, on Facebook, and on the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel. Um, yeah, that's going to be be about it. Hope hope you guys have a killer week. Enjoy this little time in the off season before turkey season gets fired up. Um, this is a, a good time to take a break, take a rest, spend time with your family, and uh, uh, maybe get some work done. <laughs> I know that's what I'm going to be doing, trying to get work done on my real job. So uh, I hope you guys have a great week. And remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.